Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. RJ Ochoa, who is the manager and editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys, covering all things Dallas Cowboys, and he joins us now. RJ, appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? Doing well, thanks. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a really, uh, really fun time. Two weeks ago, days like this seemed uh, a year away. So uh, we're certainly uh, reveling in everything that we can. Absolutely, and and with the Dallas Cowboys, especially, it just seems like it's just a, a roller coaster of things going on. Where uh, you got the disappointment start to the season, and then you got the Dak Prescott injury, and now you're sitting at two and one. Just kind of just in the three games, or at least the first few weeks of the season. How do you encapsulate all what's been going on with the Dallas Cowboys with all the crazy things that they've had happen so far? You know, in many ways, it has kind of been the most Cowboys start to a season that you can imagine. Uh, but in some ways, it's been the polar opposite of that. It's been um, success in spite of offensive star power. Obviously, uh, we've seen the likes of Michael Parsons and Marcus Lawrence and Trayvon Davis with the exclamation point last night lead the way. Uh, but, but, you know, their, their quarterback, who's kind of the face of who they are right now, is a sixth-year undrafted free agent, uh, making his, his third career start last night. Of course, he's 3-0 and in those games. Of course, this is the team that they discovered Tony Romo through undrafted free agency. And so it's been all over the place. Um, I'd say, you know, I, I don't know that it's been a, a matter of, of receipts being collected and things like that. Uh, but at the beginning of the season, you know, the way the Cowboys lost to Tampa – all of the warts that people identified with this roster really showed their, their ugly faces, you know, a, a lack of receiving options, an offensive line getting destroyed, and just being ill-prepared in, in a lot of facets. And it, it felt impossible that they could correct those things mid-season, let alone in the very next week against the Bengals. And, and I don't know that they're perfect by any means. I actually do know that they're not. Uh, but, but I do know that they have found ways to, to game plan around their strengths and to help hide and mitigate their weaknesses and, and additionally to help exploit the weaknesses of their opponents. And so you could argue that they've benefited by, by catching a Bengals team when they're a little bit more down and, and certainly beating a, a, a lower quality team in the Giants. But, but then again, you, you can always kind of talk yourself into circles. I, you know, I think we all think the Eagles are really good, the Dolphins look good, and maybe you're still high on the Bills or Chiefs or Ravens. But, but outside of that, it's kind of anyone's game. And, and the Cowboys are firmly in the mix thanks to what they've done over the last couple of weeks. You mentioned playing to their strengths. What would you say are the major strengths of this team? And um, the defensive front, they're getting home, they're getting their pass rush going. What's been the key to that? I mean, uh, being being the stronger, faster players uh, certainly has a, has a lot to do with it, um, and they're very fortunate, obviously, defensively, to have Micah Parsons. And and, and an underrated storyline I saw coming into this season was having Demarcus Lawrence healthy. He missed a ton of games last year. He played in the opener and then was lost for a great stretch of time. It was actually that injury that forced Dallas to originally play Micah Parsons as an edge rusher in Week Two against the Chargers, and so uh, that that helped knock out for the player that, that he has since become. Uh, but but I think having a platoon of players, a, a platoon of guys, and guys they believed in. You know, a lot of us, myself included, thought it was foolish to let Randy Gregory walk, and, and he has played well for the Broncos, to be clear. But Dorrance Armstrong has filled in nicely. Dante Fowler, one of their their few free agent signings, has played well in spurts. You know, they've gotten great linebacker play out of Leighton Van Der Esch. They've gotten great linebacker and pass rush play out of Anthony Barr, somebody they brought in throughout training camp, and so. I would say it, it was it's just being right and, and having conviction in those sorts of things. Offensively, and this is where I think I'm the most fascinated to watch them when Dak Prescott does return, they have found ways, I think, to game plan around a lack of Dak. I mean, this is a team that has been carried and hoisted by their franchise quarterback for 
the better part of 16 years now, if you do include Tony Romo's time, and, and you don't have to play that way, right? Like, you, you don't have to force Dak to, to play hero ball each and every single week. And I, I think that the lack of Dak has really forced them to get creative and, and to challenge themselves and to incorporate, you know, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard together. That, that is something that we really hadn't seen. And to their credit, maybe they planned on doing that this season regardless. Um, obviously, Dak just got hurt in the opener. But they, they have involved Noah Brown. They've involved all their tight ends. They, they have found ways to force the ball to C.D. Lane. Those are all things that they just hadn't done in the past. Um, and, and maybe it wasn't over-reliance on Dak Prescott. But, but thinking outside the box that way, I mean, the water has to go somewhere, right? And, and they have found the cracks to slip through, and that's where they are now. RJ, I'm sure that this is something you've discussed and been asked about, but it's always kind of a, a fun thing to talk about where with the situation with Dak, you got Cooper Rush, who's obviously 3-0 as a starter, playing pretty well, getting getting by, and then people keep saying, well, what if he keeps playing really well? And what if they go undefeated? And what if the offense is clicking? Do they bring back Dak Prescott at that point in time? Even Jerry Jones, I think uh, a week or so ago, said that he welcomes quarterback competition and, and everything. Just what do you make a, of that story and the possibility of when Dak comes back, people thinking that Cooper Rush should still remain quarterback if he's playing well. Well, as somebody who loves this team with all my heart, it's extremely annoying. Uh, but uh, as somebody whose whose job it is, uh, you know, to put you know Cowboys content out into the world all day, every day, I'm extremely grateful, right? Like, shout out to Jerry for for helping put food on my table. Um, but you know, I, I I mean, I I suppose in in the most literal sense, I understand the argument, but I do think it's just the nature of, of who the Cowboys are, right? Like this kind of thing happens, and people are so quick to to kind of look for this, that, or the other. But I just there's, I don't know how anyone can, can legitimately look at what Cooper's doing and feel like that can't do those things. I mean, to, to Cooper's credit, he has done a phenomenal job of, of driving the bus and being aggressive in the moments that, that have been necessary. And that has been something that the Cowboys have generally not allowed their backup quarterbacks to do. You go back, and this was a different regime, to be fair, but under Jason Garrett, whenever Tony Romo was out, it was just, it was turtle up, hold on, you know, mechanical bull, and hope you survive, hope you post the longest time uh, on the scoreboard when it's all said and done. But the Cowboys haven't, haven't bended like that. They have allowed Cooper to climb the pocket, be aggressive, make tight throws, and, and he has done it. But, but Dak Prescott is just such a more powerful quarterback. He's a more powerful runner. He's a deeper thrower. He's a more accurate passer. I understand that, that you know, current analytics favor Cooper, which, which certainly doesn't help the argument or help diffuse the argument for him, rather. Um, it's, it's fun. Um, it's a good problem to have, to be clear. Um, but uh, but I, I think in reality, it is, um, it's very obvious in the starting quarterback of the team. How does Zeke Elliott factor into this offense still with Tony Pollard getting more carries? And then there's a thought out there by many people that Zeke may not be in Dallas much longer past this season. I, I, I'm one of those people, personally, uh, that thinks they're both gone. I mean, Tony Pollard's in a contract year. The guaranteed money on Zeke Elliott's contract is up. Stephen Jones said, you know, the day the NFL draft ended, that, that Zeke was making a lot of money. Uh, the Cowboys are, are very well aware of their books and, and how, to, how to tidy them up. But, you know, this conversation between Zeke and Pollard does kind of turn into an all-or-not proposition, right? Well, I, need, I want one. Pollard's better. Zeke should never play. No, feed Zeke. Zeke is awesome. Keep Tony Pollard on the bench. You can have both. That, that has always been the argument from people like myself. And we're finally seeing that. I mean, we're starting to see kind of an even split. And, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to put them into this box and say, you know, it's got to be 50-50. It's got to be 60-40. No, it's got to be, you know, who's fresher? Who's better? Who, you know, what, what, what are you seeing from the defense? Who attacks this defense, this look, this moment better? And 
and I think we're seeing the Cowboys start to play it that way. So I think Zeke, um, if you want to classify him as anything, he's still the starting running back. He's still the the bruiser, the thumper, whatever you want to call him. He's he's hardly you know your your vintage kind of you know just trucking sort of fullback John Riggins type player, but but he is a more physical runner than Tony Pollard. But again, those arguments get one sided. That that makes people believe that Tony Pollard can't be physical, that Zeke Elliott can't be fast. They obviously both have strengths and they have some things that separate them from one another. But the Cowboys are very fortunate to have two really dynamic running backs. Again, another very good column to have. Smooth with RJ Ochoa, the manager and editor in chief of blogging the boys here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Brown Fine Jewelry Online. RJ, tell me about Mike McCarthy, because I know that he was a guy last year that a lot of Cowboys fans and, and just fans in general were not impressed by, were not impressed by the job he did. And obviously there's a lot of pressure on him this year. Just what's the overall vibe and mood towards him uh, this year? And as far as an expectation that they say, hey, you got to get to this point or we want you gone. Just how do people feel about him right now? I'd say that most people believe that, that this is his last season. Obviously, you know, it, it's not difficult to, to talk Sean Payton and, and that, you know, people say he's lurking in the shadows. Like, and he's lurking in plain sight, right? Like Sean's doing podcasts and radio shows and, and his own Fox show every week, kind of hyping himself up. And, and right now, he's, yeah, you know, I wouldn't even say he's forbidden fruit. He's another option. He's the greener grass. And I do think, you know, I, I'm, I'm not Mike McCarthy's biggest fan, but I do think that what he's done has been incredibly underappreciated. Uh, you know, this is his third full season and basically his second full season without Tyron Smith. You know, he, the moment he took that job, Travis Frederick was the team's starting center. He obviously went on to retire. He's had Dak Prescott for like uh, 40% or 60%, excuse me, of his time as the head coach here. And obviously he continues to move on. In the games without Dak Prescott that he's coached, they've been 7-7. Seven and seven. I mean, they, they've played 14 games without Dak Prescott in the Mike McCarthy era. They've won half of them. Just for perspective, the Cowboys played 14 games in the Jason Garrett era without Tony Romo or Dak Prescott, not counting uh, Garrett's interim year in 2010. They won one of them. I mean, and, and you know, being better than Jason Garrett is, is not something that qualifies you to stick around forever. But, but he is different. I mean, we all, I'm sure you guys two weeks ago, wrote this team off. They, they were dead in the water. And what did Mike McCarthy do? He dug in and he found a way. And and people love to give the credit. And there's a lot to go around to Dan Quinn. Now they're coming around on Kellen Moore. Kellen called a great game. The the, the credit always goes to everybody else. I, I think that Mike McCarthy, he he believed in these guys. I mean, that that counts for something in my book. Um, I, I think that he is, you know, to use another cliche, he's the guy I want in the ring. He's the guy I want in, in the alley when, when I need somebody in my back because that's the kind of dude he is. He's the dude who's going to roll up his sleeves. He doesn't care about the drama or the Cowboys of it all. He just wants to win football games, and he's doing that pretty regularly at least uh, over the last year and a half or so. Not only are the Cowboys playing with a backup quarterback, they're playing with backup receivers, backup tight ends. They're really playing well with, with some of the quality backups there on offense. A guy like Noah Brown, what have you seen from him and his time on the field and making the most of it? You know, Noah is somebody who, I, I mean, the, the Cowboys can take all the victory laps they want there. He was a seventh-round draft pick, which, which in, you know, in and of itself is kind of an example of players who don't typically work out. He was a seventh-round draft pick five years ago. I mean, you know, it's, it's so rare that you, you get your or you catch your first touchdown in the NFL after you get your second contract. And that's what happened to Noah Brown. And, and they believe in him. And I, I maintain that the Cowboys went about some of this in, in, in much harder fashion than they had to. Right? They, you know, the Cowboys jumped out of a plane without a parachute, threw a ring of fire with rattlesnakes wrapped around their ankles, and they stuck the landing. And good for them. But, but that, that doesn't mean that the plan was perfect. Right? The results don't justify the process. Um, but, but Noah Brown was a part of that. And, and obviously they believe 
that, that he could develop, that he could be a part of this offense. And they've gambled a little bit. And, and they've gambled through three games, and they've come out on top, right? I, you could argue they're playing with house money to a degree. You're right. I mean, this is a team that's 2-1 and one in an NFL that doesn't have a lot of elite teams. And they have the franchise quarterback on the way back. They have not just Michael Gallup on the way back, but James Washington, if you put any stock into him. They have J. Ron Kirst coming back defensively. They have Connor McGovern coming back as far as offensive line interior depth is concerned. The arrow is pointing up for them. And they got to this point because they stuck to what they wanted to stick to. And, and you know, at the end of the day, the, the results favor them. You know, history is written by the winners. What's the timeline on James Washington, Michael Gallup returning? You know, the Cowboys spoke last week as if Michael Gallup was going to return last night in New York against the Giants. And obviously that did not happen. Um, now, the Cowboys chose not to place Gallup on injured reserve at the very beginning of the season, which feels like 100 years ago. And had they done so, he would have had to have missed the first four games of the year, just the way the IR rules work. Um, so that suggested, obviously, that, that they believed that he could come back before then, right? If, if he was on injured reserve, he would not be eligible to play in Sunday's game against Washington. So that feels really probable if you do that math. As far as James Washington is concerned, they haven't spoken a lot about him recently. I mean, that, that injury happened way back in the early days of training camp. But mid-October was the timeline all along. So, you know, maybe three weeks, maybe four weeks, that, that kind of, you know, lines up with what they've said to this point. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, if Michael Gallup doesn't play on Sunday, obviously, then, you know, that doesn't line up with what they said. Always. They could have put him on injured reserve, you know. Uh, we're still waiting for them to be proven right on some of the things they said because, again, a week ago it was, yeah, Michael Gallup looks on track to play in New York against the Giants, and he obviously didn't wind up doing that. RJ, where do you uh, where do you feel like the Cowboys stack up in this division too? Because we know the Eagles, everyone's on board with them, thinking how they're they're great, they're three and zero, one of the only two undefeated teams in the country. But obviously Dallas sent a two and one, Giants you just played them, they're sending a two and one. You got Washington this upcoming weekend. Just kind of how do you feel about the Cowboys situation in the division and where they fit in with everybody? You know, I certainly think the Eagles. Um you know, are not infallible. That I, I don't know that I think the, the gap is close uh, between them and Dallas. They're, they're clearly the favorites in the conference. You can make, or in the division, certainly I think you can make the argument that the conference as a whole, you can also make the argument they're peaking too early. They haven't had to deal with these injuries, right? Like everybody's been healthy. Everything's been great. What happens, you know, the moment that, that adversity comes for them, because it, it in all likelihood would. The NFL is a battle of attrition. But um, right now through week three, I think it goes Eagles, Cowboys, probably Commanders still Giants. I know the, the Giants are in third place at the moment, but I mean, we've seen through this young season, Washington have, you know, streaks of a potent offense. We haven't really seen that from the Giants. Um, you know, the Giants are just stuck. And, and I you know the Giants surprised a lot of people by winning their first two games, but this, this season was never about winning a lot of games for the Giants. They're, they're trying to turn this ship around. I think that they're on their way. You know, they're no longer facing 180 degrees south, uh, but, but that process takes time. I, I definitely like Dallas uh, this Sunday. I mean, they, they generated 35 quarterback pressures uh, against Daniel Jones, according to Pro Football Focus. And, and Carson went to somebody who does not play very well when, when that is the case for him. And so, I mean, that factor alone is almost enough for me to take the Cowboys. And then when you consider that, that the sample size is growing on the other side of the ball, that Cooper Rush seems well-equipped just to drive the bus, just to take advantage of the opportunities that the team as a whole is giving him to do the things he's asked to do. I really like the Cowboys' odds to get to three and one, and and after that, the road gets a little bit bumpier for them. But you know, if they're three and one with, with two games in division in hand, I mean, it's hard to be very upset about that, regardless of what happens at LA or in Philly two weeks later. Jason Peters signed with the Cowboys on the practice squad at 40 years old. 
and we know that over the past couple of weeks he's been getting more reps. How do, how do you see Jason Peters in that offense and how he's played over the past couple of games? He played 14 snaps last night and, you know, came in and right away helped spring Tony Pollard loose for a massive game. And, you know, I maintain that I would rather see him at left tackle and then Tyler Smith, the rookie, inside a left guard. But that's one of those things that right now, you know, the, the results favor the Cowboys' way of thinking. Jerry Jones said this morning on 105 Through the Fan that, you know, he did not think that, that Jason Peters could play left guard. And yet last night he played uh, in a game of extreme significance for the team at left guard. Um, so it's just kind of funny how they, they tend to stumble into success in, in some ways like that. But um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, he's the, the start, if he starts more game at left guard than anybody else. I mean, I mentioned Connor McGovern is on his way back uh, as far as his health is concerned. Matt Farniak has been holding down the fort while McGovern's been out and Peters has been getting ready. But it does seem like Jason Peters has a, a permanent home, at least in the starting lineup on this team, but it's probably a left guard, uh, which is, you know, hey, the Cowboys, uh, how they want to do this. Um, again, not what I would do, but, you know, it's their team and they're the ones winning the games right now. Yeah, it's kind of funny because obviously Jason Peters being a former Razorback here from the state of Arkansas, some of these guys that just defy time and defy age in the NFL, you know, guys like Tom Brady, guys like Jason Peters, it's always just so fascinating and so impressive that you got a guy who, uh, you know, has been around in the NFL for so long, still finding not only a job in the NFL, but as you said, playing snaps, significant snaps against a significant team in a significant game. I mean, it's, it's amazing what, you know, modern medicine um, and, and modern science uh, can help the body do. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a 32 year old blogger and sometimes my hand hurts, right? Like, and I, I can't do anything. It's like, man, you know, I need, I need to do what Jason's doing. And so um, it, it's, it's astounding. I mean, he's going to be in the pro football hall of fame someday. Uh, and the fact that, you know, he was hanging out on the street, the Cowboys brought him in. So they signed him the Monday that the regular season began um, and that he might very well wind up starting more games than not for them this season. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, it, it, you know, Brady is, is a different thing. You could argue the levels of impressiveness. I mean, being in the trenches, the physical pull of being an offensive lineman, of being a left tackle is the way Peters has been for so long. Um, they don't make a lot of human beings like that. Well, RJ, man, we really appreciate you joining us. I know it's a fun time, especially in the beginning part of the season, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of storylines and headlines going on with the Dallas Cowboys all season long because it seems like it's that way every single year. But we appreciate you joining us, man. Talk a little Cowboys. Good luck the rest of the way, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Of course, I'd love that. Thanks for having me, guys. Y'all have a good rest of the week.